When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening first time dance! With me, Richard Innes. And me, Steve Miles. In this episode, we caught up with Esther Wojcicki, who is called the godmother of Silicon Valley, and she's written a book about successful parenting called How to Raise Successful People. Esther, hi. Thank you so much for coming in. Very, very glad to have you here um, yeah. and get and hopefully give us some um, some insight and some expertise and some help, frankly. You've come a long way. Where have you, where have you come from? Well, actually, I came from San Francisco. Well, there you go. That's the longest journey for the podcast, I think. That is, actually. You definitely win a prize for oh. uh, for the biggest effort to be here in, oh. a, in our little studio. So thank you very much indeed. Um, so uh, as, as Steve and I ha- have just mentioned, Esther is a, lo- a long-time educator. And I think you've just described yourself off air there is an educational maverick that's correct (laughs) (laughs) which you should definitely have on a business card of some description i think that's uh that's a lovely job title to give yourself yeah actually i think i'm gonna make myself some cards that say educational maverick that's exactly what i am (laughs) your your mum of three girls yes um who are grown up and uh very successful Yes, I'm very happy to say that. Good. Yes. That's an understatement as well. Yeah, that would is. You, would you mind explaining to us what your what your three daughters do for living for a living? Because it is quite remarkable. Oh yeah. So the oldest one's Susan. The second one is Janet, and the third one is Anne. By the way, I should just tell you they were very normal little girls. Okay. Good. Good start. Uh, yep. Yeah. Good start. <laughs> <laughs> um, so today, Susan is the CEO of YouTube. Wow. And um, yes, I'm very proud of her. And Janet is a professor of pediatrics at the University of California, San Francisco, which she focuses on the diet and the impact of nutrition on children okay. and family. And then the third one is Anne. And Anne is the founder and CEO of 23andMe, the personal genetics company. Oh, wow. So okay. they're all kind of um, out there doing exciting They've things. all moved out and they're all doing well. Then, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've yeah, none so of them living at home. They're all <laughs> off the payroll. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, that's the dream, isn't it? I think, you know... Yeah, and we can see now why the title of your book is How to Raise Successful People and why, and why that appeals to people like Steve and I because obviously our, our kids are, are all kind of coming to that age, I suppose, where you can, you can start to have that interaction with them and start to have that communication. And you'll start to, bec- you, I, I'm sure Steve would agree, become very aware that they're picking up on your cues and they're picking things up from yeah. you. And actually they are starting to learn, um, even at, my boy's only just two. And I can see there are certain things I'm doing, both good and bad. You know, there are certain things I'm doing. I think, oh, God, I wish you hadn't seen that. I wish you hadn't heard me say that. So um, from, from the perspective, because I know obviously you, you kind of cover a wide range of education all the way up to sort of senior school and, and have done various talks and written various books and all sorts of things. But from the perspective where Steve and I are at, at that kind of preschool toddler level, what would be, what, what's your kind of message to parents of kids of, our, of, of that sort of age in terms of what we should and shouldn't be doing in terms of that teaching element? Well, so if we're starting at zero, mm. yeah. I think where you are, um, one of the first things you should do, of course, is be very affectionate. You know, mm. you want to bond with your child. 
and uh, that means hugging and you know snuggling with your child and um, just like you were saying earlier it's kind of funny how they copy you mm. so they do I just want to warn you. (laughs) So whatever it is that you're doing, and uh, next day if you see your child doing it, don't be surprised because they do what you do, not what you say. That's true. That's very important for everyone to know. So whatever Mm. behavior you're modeling, that's what they're going to do. So if you shout at them, well, that's it. They're going to shout back at you. That's uh, if you shout at them, they're going to shout back at you. And I'm having this problem at the moment where my son, being two. There's an element where you think, okay, two-year-olds have temper tantrums, right? That's a fact of life. Right. So it's how you cope with those. But then there are times when he's so angry, and I keep thinking, and I do have an issue maybe where I get frustrated with them too quickly. I have quite a short fuse myself. Exactly. My, I was going to say, do yeah, men exactly. in their well, late thirties have temper tantrums? <laughs> yeah. Well, my, my wife does point out occasionally that she's soon going to have three small boys to deal with. She'll have two boys and and me because we're all having temper tantrums of uh, of some sort or other. Um, but it, it, it does worry me that I see when I see him getting particularly angry about something and really losing his marbles and being completely irrational as two-year-olds will be. Yes. And then I get frustrated and I sometimes and I think, God, is he getting this from me? How much of this is just him pushing the boundaries and all the things you'd expect a two-year-old to do? And how much of this is him really, you know, when he's been sat in the back of the car and I've been shouting at someone because they've cut me up in, on the road or whatever it might be, how much is natural and how much has he got from me in that negative sense? So um, it's important for you, like I said, to realize that you're maybe your child's first teacher Mm. and you're doing it. It's really important for you to know that you're doing it by modeling. Mm. And so all the parents out there, it's very important for them to know that. It's hard for you to tell your child, you know, to stop doing something when in fact they see you doing it all the time. Because we're all hypocrites, right, as parents? Well, well. <laughs> we're, we're, no, we're, we're trying not we're to We're trying be. not to be. We're trying not to be. <laughs> but we, yes, we want our children to be better than we are. Yes. That's usually what... Absolutely, yeah. That yeah. That's, that's fundamental, isn't it? That's fundamental. Yeah. You want them to live a better life and mm. be better and happier and all these things. Mm. And so you need to realize that it's, you need to model some of the behaviors. So when they're having a temper tantrum... What you need to do is model calmness mm. because that's what you want them to do, don't you? When they're, yeah, yeah you don't yeah. want to, don't buy into that temper tantrum and start yelling yourself because that's not going to work mm. and they're going to copy your behavior. And you have to suffer it to an extent, don't you? You have to, you, because you're not, there's no magic fix. You can't, no matter how calm you are, you're not going to be able to click your and fingers. You can't, and reason. You can't, you can't reason, reason with a two and three year old in the same way you can with an adult. Mm. Right. You can't reason with them, but you can try. Mm. So you can still try to say, uh, be reasonable and be, and because you're trying to set up a pattern of behavior. So how do we solve problems? Mm. And one of the problems, one of the ways we do that is by talking. And so you talk to them, and then if they scream or yell or whatever, <laughs> then you still continue talking. Mm-hmm. It's you're, you are setting the pattern, mm. and the pattern you set between zero and five, it's like clay. Once it's molded, it's hard to unmold. Yeah. Right. Okay, yeah. so we're, we're... Those are the most important years. 85% of your brain capacity is developed in those years. 
No pressure then. <laughs> so I've got two Sorry, years left. No pressure. To, you still to, have two years exactly. left. Exactly. I've got it's two years left to undo what I've done and redo <laughs> it in a, in a better yeah. version of it. I'm now it's, feeling I need, to, yeah, I need to start from scratch. And here. his one-year-old sister's got four years, so she's going to... She, this is my second go at it. It's an interesting idea that you have to be better, that you have to... Because I think sometimes I do get pulled into it and I'm almost talking to Ben, that's my son, on, on a level when he's, when he's in that sort of mood. And actually, like you said, to the point of modelling, I suppose you do have you have to rise above it. You're the parent. You're not supposed to be getting down on that level and having a, an argument with him. It's meant to be. You're, you know, it's, you're, not, it's you a different sort of interaction. You have to remember, you're the leader. Yeah, yeah. not him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, Remind who's in charge in this yes, house. Yes, and you can be in charge politely. You mm. know, being in charge doesn't mean you have to be mean about it. Yeah, but you just have to be consistent. Don't say yes if they want you to say yes, mm. just because. They're having a fit. I do wonder how many parents actually do sometimes confuse being well-mannered towards your child with a sense of weakness, in the sense that I will try to say to Ben, please and thank you, and, and I, because, you know, to your point, modelling, you're trying to... So if I'm asking him to do something, I will say, please do that, and when yeah. he does it, I'll say thank you. And I do wonder sometimes if... Because it's, it has crossed my mind on occasion, incorrectly, that maybe that could be taken as a sign of weakness, that you're not kind of pre- presenting enough authority over them if you're asking them nicely, which I obviously is, is complete nonsense. But I do wonder if parents do sometimes struggle with that. I think parents might make that mistake. Mm. Yes, and they know that is modeling good behavior. Mm. And so that's part of this um, acronym I have in the book, TRIC. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, the last part, TRIC stands for Trust, Respect, Independence, Collaboration, and Kindness. Kindness. Mm. You need to model kindness. And when you're saying please and thank you, you're modeling kindness. Mm. And you want to, if you want your kid to be kind, you have to model it. Mm. You mm. can't be a mean old guy or whatever. This is what my wife says. My wife says, you, you know, you need to be happier and more cheerful in front of the kids because they pick up on it and they see that that's, you know, maybe how they are going to then behave. Um, and it, I can I can see how that's that's definitely true because it, you know he he te- takes the temperature of the house based on how his parents are behaving. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, I mean they the, it's just subconscious. They're taking the temperature of the house and then they reflect a lot of that stuff. Mm. That you know they're very smart. They're much mm. smarter than you give them credit for. Yeah. Just because it's they're terrifying. lying there waiting for their diaper to be changed yeah. doesn't mean they aren't smart. Yeah. Well, yeah. and also uh, the, the the thing that we have is because my son goes to nursery is there's a there's a the learned behaviour at home and then there's the learned behaviour in a, in a nursery environment where he's learning behaviour from other children who are learning their behaviour from their parents. Right. So you look at other parents and think, oh well, uh, that kid has learned something at home, uh, and it may be from uh, I don't know from. TV or something that they a program that they watch or some behavior they've witnessed at home, they then bring that into a nursery environment and share it with your child, and you don't have any control over that that behavior. That, no, you don't. But then what you're doing is training them for the world, mm. because that's what's going to happen as they get older. Yeah. More and more of that, so they bring that home, and then you can talk about it. Mm. So you have to talk to them, not in baby talk, but you know you need to talk to them and explain things. You know they really can be very sensible. Mm. Also, one other thing, remember, the most effective age to learn another language is zero to five. You don't, oh yes, you do not need 
no books necessary, no tapes, no watching anything, just expose them to a second language. They learn it about just, they've got plasticity in the brain. It is incredible. So this is something that we say at home, because my um, mother-in-law is a French teacher. Oh. Uh, and she was, was going to teach Jackson French. We keep joking with her. When's this, when the French lesson starting? When, when, you, when are you going to start talking to him in, in French? How long, how old is Jackson? Three. Now, <laughs> there you go. There if you you're go. listening, Noel, if you're listening, <laughs> you need to get cracking now. Yeah. All she has to do is speak <laughs> to him in French. Too sweet, as they say. Uh, Too yeah. sweet. <laughs> <laughs> and it is, it is as simple as that exposure. So, presumably, and you would expect them to begin to understand French in the same way that they began to understand English. That's Just right. You didn't, there was no special there was no, training there were no program lessons, for no, speaking quite. English, right? Yeah, yeah. Interesting how they learned to do it without any lessons. It still does do blow my same. mind, actually. It really does blow my mind that, that because I, you know, we're quite fortunate that our boy Ben, um, it, it picked up talking very quickly, and, and he's proven to be, you know, very good at communicating in that sense. Um, and there are times where we will look at each other, my wife and I, say, "How on earth does he know that? Where did he get that from?" You know, there'll be a phrase or some sentence, and you think, "Is that from nursery?" It's a bit like Steve was saying. You know, you, it's that you kind of seed control, don't you, when, when you put your child out into the world That's and when you right. leave them alone at a nursery or a primary school or whatever it might be, or a play group. And um, when they come back and they have something, you don't know where it's come from. It's almost a little bit scary initially because you think, "God, that, that they're now actually capable of picking all these things up by themselves." And I, I remember oh, yeah. the first time I saw my son when he was about eighteen months. There's a song called "Sleeping Bunnies" where. They sing, oh, yeah. and the kids lie down, little bunnies. And, they, and then they yeah. jump up and they hop. And it was something we'd ne- I'd never come across before. And suddenly you're watching him, and he's doing it, and you're like, oh my goodness, you've like learned all this. I don't know any. Where have you picked this up from? How do, how do you know this? <laughs> yes, they pick up a lot from their friends and from school and nursery school, and mm. you know it's it's great. But then hopefully they're picking up things that you like because sometimes well, they pick up little things that you might not like it's mm. interesting you should say that because just the other day my wife and i were sitting there and we were having some dinner with ben and we were asking him about his friends at nursery and suddenly he came out with this line girls are stupid and we were both like you know genuine intake of breath because you think this is a two-year-old and i was genuinely horrified as was my wife and of course and it's difficult to know exactly how to deal with it because on the one hand i'm very aware that you don't want to uh, sort of endorse any negativity by focusing on it too much. Right. And I've often been a subscriber to that idea that you really ham up anything positive. You make a big thing of anything he does that's positive and really congratulate him and talk about it. And, all, and whereas anything negative, you try to sort of move past. But at the same time, you can't let something like that go. So we did try and have a conversation with him about it. Now, where did you hear that? That's not true. You know, that's absolutely not true. And we had a tried to have a long conversation with him about it obviously with a two year old that's quite tricky so what would, what would be because presumably he's heard that from a kid at nursery who we were trying to figure it out maybe he heard it from a kid at nursery who had heard it from an older sibling or, or something along those lines but you you do kind of think well how what, how best to address that I think you started out the right way you want to talk to him about mm. it and then you want to maybe he doesn't remember where he where yeah. it came from but I think then you want to give him some evidence that that's not true. Yeah, you want to yeah. explain to him why this might be a mistake. And then also, at the same time, you can say, you're learning a lot of things mm. at school. And you know some of them are true and some of them are not. So how are you supposed to understand which is which? And then give him some tools for trying to figure out mm. what are some of the things that you should question. 
with something it, like that, I suspect it's a it's said at nursery to get a reaction from yeah. the person that it's being said to, without an understanding of what it means. Mm. Yeah, possibly, possibly. So it's more of a kind of rep- repeated thing rather than actually any genuine, genuine understanding of the concept. Uh, hopefully, yeah, that's, well, that's probably true. Yeah. But still, you know, you want to explain to him that you know he he's not too young to be able to think. Yeah, see, we see. We try and because Jackson's got a younger sister. We're very keen for him not to make any uh, distinctions between what Iris can do or, and what he can do. That they can both do exactly the same thing. So Iris goes as a you know just over one year old to this thing called ballet tots, which is basically like a music class. But it's not really ballet. <laughs> but Jackson is Jackson's never been, and he's fascinated by it. He asks if there's a ballet ballet tots class for big boys like him. He's desperate to go, <laughs> and he's got no concept that in you know traditionally you might say that the ones a female pursuit and one and rather than a, than a male pursuit. Mm. Um, and so we're very keen for him to, to continue you know along those lines. Oh, yeah. Well, he can do ballet for tots as well. Yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. it's not against any kind of yeah. rules or anything. And I've noticed is. When exciting. I, when I go when I go to watch football or soccer, um, and I bring back like things from the match, I make sure I bring back something for Iris as well as yeah. for Jackson, rather so it doesn't become daddy football me and Iris is somehow excluded from it. Uh huh. That's great that uh, you're doing that. That's the way to do it. Just yeah, just because I I, I think you can sort of sleepwalk into mm. following those um, absolutely you know stereotypes if you're not careful. Right. Also, you know, with toys, you can do it. It's subconscious. Mm. If you buy just dolls for girls mm. and, you know, trucks for boys. Mm. Mm. And so you have to be careful that you, the toys that you're buying mm. are not gender specific. Absolutely. Yeah. We, we actually had a, um, an expert on, on that subject um, a little while ago on the podcast. We did an entire episode around it, around that gender bias and how, as Steve said, you can just sleepwalk into it. You can have the best intentions. Um, and I do sometimes wonder if I'm doing that with my boy. You kind of, maybe phrases I use, what, words I use to describe him or toys he's given or whatever. And we're very keen to make sure that he is very understanding of the, you know, the importance. It doesn't matter if you're a boy or a girl. But there are, as you said, there are certain things that you just do subconsciously, perhaps. Mm. So we got, so Jackson's really into, even though he's never watched any of the films, he's into the Avengers. So <laughs> Hulk and Captain America and Spider-Man. Um, so for Iris's birthday, I bought her a, um, a book of female superheroes, so Batgirl, <laughs> great. you know, yeah. Supergirl, and he loves it. And it's about <laughs> it, you know seeing that the the same you know same things happen, but it, you can't help right. but but see that, that those kinds of um, those toys are geared they're they're, they're male geared, you know, because right. they're they're predominantly male superheroes. I know we've had you know there's been a f- other examples of female, but difficult to pick your way through that that minefield so it sounds like you're doing a lot as fathers it's good. great good good ourselves <laughs> in the back rich good, good sorted <laughs> but uh, but what they need to know is that it they might see another message in the real world yeah and so you have to give them the tools to decipher and be able to understand when they see a message in the real world that is not along those lines that what do they think and how do they think about it? So how, it, how is the best way to approach that in terms of bearing in mind that the, the still you know, very young age of our boys in particular, what's the best way to approach that in how you communicate that to them? 
Well, I think, you know, just making them aware, talking about it and say, mm. so sometimes you'll see a message out there that like there isn't any Superman for girls, but I just want you to know that there really is. And maybe those people just don't know about it yet. Mm. And mm. perhaps there's something that you can do to help them know about it also. Um, but because in the real world, just look at magazines and newspapers and whatever, and the message is, it's still there loud and clear. You know, the girls have a defined role. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, you're, you're right. Uh, you're right. We see it every day, and especially in some some of the media over here, about how you know just the language used to talk about women. That's right. Um, you so know, it's going to take a generation, at least, people, at least, to understand that things are changing, have hmm. changed. Esther, when you were bringing up your th- your three girls, were there? I mean, they've obviously turned out, you know, very pleased, very successful. Were there any moments where you sort of saw a fork in the road, and and they could have gone one way and in fact they went the other way or there were particular choices that you had to kind of um be be sort of more attentive at that particular point in their lives well i think you know all parents have their forks in the road all along the way Mm. and one of the i mean just in developmentally um you know there were issues like susan turns out she's ambidextrous Okay. So um, I thought that was a real gift. Right? Yeah. Turns out that if you're ambidextrous, there's some problem with language coming in. Okay. And I so know. I had to okay. know that. Mm. Right. So when she was three, I was like, hmm, she doesn't seem to be speaking very clearly. Let's see, you know, what's going on. And um, here was Janet, who was, you know, 18 months younger, who seemed to be like, oh, things are really different with her. So we took her in for an evaluation to see what was going on. Turns out she had to pick a hand. He's like, no, Susan, you cannot eat with the right and the left hand, you know, at the same time. Nope, it's either right or left. Pick one. And so we did a few exercises. I mean, it took about six weeks of picking a dominant hand, Mm -hmm. and then it all fell into place. Mm. Wow. So, you know, there's an example, you know, of I could have gotten all freaked out. Yeah. Yeah. But I just like, well, you know, she's, let's see what I can find out. Let's investigate. But it, that's, that. that's a really good case study for people of kids of our age because it is amazing how much significance you put on what are t- actually quite trivial developmental matters that can be quite easily fixed because your daughter Susan is obviously hugely successful and has done extremely well, extraordinarily well in life. Uh, and yet, you know, there'll be, there'll be people who, if their child wasn't talking as they thought they should be at two and a half or three, will start to envisage all sorts of things. Oh, maybe they're not that bright, maybe they're not this, maybe they're not that. And you start to put way too much significance and importance on these matters when actually they're all things that can be Yeah, we did it with, potty, with potty training because we tried Jackson when he was two and a half because it seemed that his peer group um, were successfully being potty trained. And he just didn't, he didn't, wasn't interested, didn't get it, could see that there was a little bit of stress rising and we just decided to stop and wait and it was the right thing to do because six months later he did it on his own. He didn't, he asked to come out of, nappies and and to use the potty and we thought to ourselves actually you know whether or not he becomes as you know whether he, how successfully becomes an adult is not going to have any bearing on whether he potty stops, trained at two and a half <laughs> or three but because you are so bombarded yeah, with uh, you know uh, these developmental milestones and and what age and, and you're constantly comparing yourself to mm. or your child to other children of similar age the, the, the natural thing to do is go well you know he's yeah. a bit slow he's still he's still in Still in nappies. Well, so you're right. Don't compare because they all are their own special schedule. Mm. And so it's, 
I've never seen anybody at a cocktail party say, when were you out of nappies? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe if they're still in them when they're 12, yeah. there might be, some, some <laughs> might be some issues going on. Yes, I think, well, you know, I don't really know anybody that's still doing it at 12. <laughs> yeah, what's that line from that, uh, that Baz Luhrmann song? The, the race is long, and in the end, the only person you're running against is yourself. Self, yeah. Well, that's, that's right. That's, that's, that's very the, insightful. That's Thank you. Yeah. Wow. You know. uh, <laughs> that's what I'm here for. Do, do you think, then, from, from the work you've done, that perhaps developmental milestones can actually do more harm than good? Because that's certainly my personal opinion. I think developmental milestones can do a lot of harm, especially mm. if you're sticking to those. Mm. I mean, they're guidelines. Mm. You know, if your child is having, you know, problems talking by the age of five, I think, you know, probably want to have them checked. Mm. But um, I think that people need to relax and they need to trust themselves and trust their child to be able to develop, men, develop the way that they are developing. You know, every they're all like, you know, little orchids and they bloom at different times mm, mm. and you it's your responsibility to nurture them mm. and um not to compare them to the one next door mm, mm. and not to you know be concerned because they're not following the pattern exactly according mm. to this chart mm. um, i do have to snap myself out of that mindset sometimes because it, like steve was saying before it's so easy because you're so surrounded by it as a parent of a toddler or a, or a baby you are so immersed in it Right. That it's so easy to get pulled down that road, and it's re- and sometimes you do actually have to stop and remind yourself this doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, and especially little boys, yeah. they develop at a very different rate. And it, wait till they go to school, mm. and you'll see all the little girls are sitting there politely doing what the <laughs> teacher said, mm. and the little boys are like throwing airplanes. <laughs> um, so hopefully, so it's just don't be mad in Ben's, in Ben's case. So I've got a question. So some friends of mine have just moved to the states. Mm. Um, and their daughter is uh, six. No, just turned seven, actually. And, and it, it, it emerged that the compulsory school age in the States is a year later than it is in the UK. So I think the compulsory school age in the States is six, and in the UK it's five. Um, and it made me think or wonder why, you know, what, what impact that has on a child, you know, when they start to learn. Or is it that the education system in the States has it, you know, more more learning in kindergarten before they go into the, the school system. What's your experience of that, um, Esther? Well, so in the States, they start school at five, but that's kindergarten. Okay. And so in kindergarten, they're supposed to play. Okay. But now with everybody and all their competition, kindergartens now, they are really learning to read. Okay. It's a little too stressful for kids, you know, okay. because they don't need to learn to read in kindergarten. Mm. What they need to learn to do is get along yeah social emotional skills and so that's the number one thing and the research said says that the number one predictor of success later on in life is the kindergarten social emotional skills training okay so maybe they could cut out you know all the abcs and one two three okay and i mean you can do it later Yeah. yeah you can always learn that yeah but what you can't learn, it's very hard to learn social-emotional skills later on in life. Okay, so, yeah, interaction with other kids, you know, dealing with a bigger and older kid, you know, sharing, that kind of stuff, it's, being it's, kind. That's right. It's really belief in yourself and how to get a, navigate the world. Mm. And that's what you're teaching them, you know, how to co- cooperate, how to think independently, how to make you know, talk to other kids without getting upset or mad. 
How to um, cooperate? That'd be a good one. That's that's my focus <laughs> at the moment. Yeah. Cooperate. Yeah. It's I've got to go to work. Cooperate with me, yeah. please. Yes. Cooperate. Collaborate. Be kind to other kids. Mm-hmm. You know, um, respect other people's rights mm-hmm. and um, and be able to trust them and trust yourself. Mm. That's so important for a kid to believe in themselves. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons that they have problems is because if they don't, they're looking around and seeing what other kids are thinking all the time, and then they don't believe and trust in themselves then they become it's more difficult for them mm. to do things i saw i think it may have been someone we had on the podcast actually who had written something about um the idea of the importance of play and kids learning where the boundaries are themselves and the example that was given there was something i'm often guilty of you know so if ben's climbing up a climbing frame and he's clearly capable of t- sorry hit our microphone <laughs> he's clearly capable of doing it climbing up this climbing frame but I'll be almost there just behind him, just in case he falls. And the idea being that, okay, that's obviously a natural instinct as a parent, but what is more helpful to him is for him to learn those boundaries himself. So, yeah, he might fall. You know, obviously, if he's high up, you need to be careful. But he needs to learn that, yeah, actually, if you do that, you might fall over. Is that called helicopter parenting when you're right on top of them yeah. all the time? That is helicopter parenting. And actually, we have even a more improved version or let's say, a more direct version of this called snowplow parenting. Okay. So the snowplow parent actually clears away for the kid, makes sure that uh, they're not going to fall. Right, yeah. And make sure that nothing bad is going to happen. So what they're doing is clearing the road for the child yeah. as opposed to yeah. preparing the child for the road. Okay. And giving the child and a shovel. <laughs> that's right. And so yeah. it's very, Im- it's impossible to clear the whole road no, for the exactly. child, right? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so what you want to do is train your child to live in the way life is well exactly this morning jackson was climbing up on the double buggy while i was giving his sister and i knew what was going to happen because he's done it before and he pulled that he got halfway up and the double buggy overbalanced and back he went and the buggy fell on top of him and he then cried out and, and i was talking to my wife on the when i dropped to a nursery and she goes well he won't do that again will he <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly that's right. exactly no, what you're saying he will not do that again <laughs> uh, and i think i said something similar to him i've told you yeah before not to do that and if you do it that's what will happen yeah so you have to let you know life and consequences happen in some occasions within reason within reason you of course don't want to let them jump into a swimming pool if they can't swim or just open the front door and say like run out the front door (laughs) you know into traffic but you know there are things where you can just let them learn on their own especially in nursery school mm. that's what's supposed to be all about right mm-hmm. well that's the busy you know he's jackson's learning to ride a bike at the moment we're still learning to ride. he's got one of these balance bikes which you just like oh those along, are great which is supposed to be a much better way it to is learn much to better and when i was a child where you have the stabilizers yeah, yeah, put yeah. on the back of the bike and, and then, then they suddenly just they just take them off <laughs> and you're like oh my god yeah. <laughs> you know you need to won't learn balance yeah <laughs> yeah no no you want those balance bikes yeah. they're much better and then they really learn how to ride a bike so what we're saying, as, as, we, as we sort of approach, approach our time, that it, as parents, we need to put ourselves in a good position so that the kids see us and they pick up good behaviour and good, good learnings vibes. from us. Yeah, good vibes <laughs> yes. from us. Don't be worrying too early about teaching them things like ABC and, and counting. Let them play and learn the social interactions, but get them on the French Right. So, no, just trust yourself as a parent. Honestly, okay. I think 
everybody is just too worried about what's going on and next door and whatever, mm. your child is going to be just fine. Don't say that because people won't read your book. Oh, yes. <laughs> you, you're right. talking yourself out of sales here. <laughs> oh, no. So read, your, read Esther's <laughs> book first and then trust yourself afterwards. That's right. Actually, my book has lots of lessons on how to trust yourself and respect yourself. And it does it not just as, you know, zero to five parents, but mm. school and then your life and yep. then industry and everything it sounds like it's one for me and rich to 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 buy and have on our shelves and then when the kids are a bit older do we then get into it no yeah. just read it it's you'll see it's like one story after another okay. i tell all these stories about what my okay. children did and did not do right yes. well if my if ben ends up being i mean i'll be happy if ben ends up stacking shelves as long as he's happy but um if he ends up being the ceo of youtube you know i'd be very happy with that too yeah, give you a job <laughs> great <laughs> well, maybe next generation ceo you don't know yeah, <laughs> yeah we, we have this joke in our house my, my wife was, says like, i would like jackson to be a doctor and i said i want him to work in artificial intelligence She's like, and she's like, no, I want him to be a doctor. We have that. Well, uh, you know, probably the job that Jackson and Ben do hasn't even been invented yet. That's right. Well, yeah, that's actually, it, yeah. if you don't mind, I'll talk to Jackson and Ben and see what they want to do. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. There's, the, there's our first lesson, our yeah. final lesson for the podcast today. Yes. Let's see what the boys want to do. Yeah. First. <laughs> Esther, thanks very much for coming in. Yeah. It's, been, really it's, been, it's been it's been great. Yeah. Very uh, interesting. And uh, sort of reassuring, and uh, also slightly concerning as at the same time <laughs> most of the things we talk about are simultaneously reassuring and concerning that seems I, to be I'm life very, as a parent i'm very impressed with both of you <laughs> thank like, you that's very good right. and I'm, i hope that all the dads around you know in the uk follow you well, brilliant we should have that as a tagline yeah. on the on the podcast <laughs> i'm very impressed with both of you yeah so it's the mum of the yeah. ceo okay. of youtube i'm just going to tell my wife that I, I was told that today that you were very impressed that that's that's my result for the day um so be sure um, be sure to impress esther and buy her book um how to raise successful people simple lessons for radical results um so esther wojetsky which I was told how to pronounce earlier. Great job. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> uh, thanks again for coming on, Esther. Um, thanks for coming all the way from San Francisco to see us. Yeah, and uh, if you've enjoyed the podcast, please leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcast and share and tell your friends, tell your parents, tell your children. Um, tell anyone, really, frankly. Yeah, it's good. Thank you very much. <laughs> thanks a lot, guys. Bye. Thanks.